Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place for families where we have a passion to sing great songs to Jesus and where sound Bible teaching is central in home groups and in preaching at Sunday services. Living Word Bible Church. Good morning, church. Good morning to the wider church, which has joined us electronically. Welcome to Living Word Bible Church here at Hope Valley. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Peter, welcome to you too. Thank you. Bible reading today is Psalm 31 verses 1 to 8 and then over to Psalm 32. Psalm 31, Psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock and refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love. For you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. And now over to Psalm 32, another Psalm of David. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt my sins. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and the bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. This Peter, over and out. The other Peter, your turn. Thank you. Is this working? Yep. 
Well, thank you. It's great to be with you today. Um, today, I, I thought that um, I would pick up uh, where we left off in the last few sermons. Um, you may recall that I've been preaching to you about love. Uh, we've covered uh, Matthew 22, how um, Christ explains to the young man that, that uh, what the two most important laws are, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. Um, John 13, at the Last Supper, Jesus says, uh, uh, A new command I give to you, uh, that you love one another, and by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. And then uh, going back a little bit further to last year, you might remember uh, I preached on 1 Corinthians 13, uh, where God's people are instructed to use their gifts in love, and that it's worth nothing if they don't. So love's obviously a very um, critical part of, of um, being a Christian and the various ways in which we express um, or, um, our, our, our behaviour as God's people. And I wanted to pick up on the, the nature of that love and that will flow into the passage today. It's not a choice between holiness and love is it? Because holiness uh, without love isn't holy, it's self-righteousness. And love without holiness uh, is corrupt and untrustworthy. So God's love and holiness go together. They, they're not, you know, either or they don't exist apart from each other. So this love that we've been talking about, it's not transactional love or sentimental love, this gracious love is holy and and it's relational as well. So um, I'm going to start with Psalm 32 uh, because um, uh, that's a psalm where David is is talking about acknowledging his sin and he's talking about his relationship with God. Um, so let's pick it up. How blessed is he whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is a person whose guilt the Lord does not take into account. So clearly there's a, a blessing of not living in shame and fear, uh, having an open relationship with God. And that translates to our relationships with our own friends or with uh, our spouse or other loved ones or our workmates. Uh, it's, it's difficult to do wrong and have a good relationship in any of those spheres, isn't it? Um, but it, it's, it's even more important when it comes to God. And at the end of verse 2, it says, and in whose, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Inevitably, when people do wrong, they don't want to be found out about it. It's not a nice feeling when you know you haven't done the right thing. And so wrongdoing always goes hand in hand at some uh, point with deceit. And it affects our spirit and it affects our relationship. And in this case, um, it's affecting our relationship with a God who knows all things and can read our minds. So you're not hiding anything from him, are you? 
Uh, you might think you are, you know, but, but um, God knows uh, what we're thinking and, and where our hearts are. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. So when we uh, continue to sin, um, it, it, it affects us uh, physically and mentally. Um, and uh, this, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a part of it being a relationship, I guess. Uh, and you, once again, you can, you can see that in your relationships with people around you. Um, if you, if you uh, try to hide a sin from your spouse, you know, um, it, it eats away and you're not thinking about what you should be thinking about. Um, same, the, the same in all your other friendships or your working relationships. And likewise, with, with God, it, it has an even deeper effect because we've got a, a spiritual connection with God that you might not have with someone at work or uh, your neighbour down the street. Um, and David says, through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my vitality failed as with the dry heat of summer. So he's, he's, he's acknowledging this as, as um, how awful it was to live under that scenario that he, that he couldn't uh, keep following that path. But then in verse 5 comes the relief. And then he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my wrongdoings to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And that's, that's the big relief that he could do that. Now, under the old covenant, you had to go and take your best animal or uh, make a, a sacrifice. But now, under the new covenant, Christ is that sacrifice. Christ has paid that penalty. But we, as God's people, can still be in that bind if we think we're going to get away with our sin, sort of like, you know, I come to church on Sunday, maybe I'll go to a prayer meeting during the week. But, you know, I like being arrogant. I like being egotistical. I'm sure God will be okay with that, you know. But it eats away. You know, it's not okay. You can't keep sinning and be good with God. And so um, acknowledging our sin, whatever it is, and um, letting go of it and turning to God allows us to have integrity. Remember how I talked about holiness uh, being part of love. Love without holiness is corrupt and uh, untrustworthy. Well, that's a lack of integrity. So if we try to sort of have our relationship with God, but keep our pet sins because, you know, I like being short-tempered or whatever it is, you know, um, it, it's a lack of integrity in our relationship with God. Uh, in much the same way that um, if I've forgotten to do a job at home, you know, whether it's taking out the bins or something, and I confess to my wife, oh, I've better run out and do that. I can hear the truck coming up the street or something. You know, um, if I tried to hide it, she's not going to be pleased with me. And, and likewise, 
God can see all things. And if we're trying to be two-faced in our relationship with God, he can see it. You know, don't, don't delude yourself. Uh, and it will sap your vitality in your relationship. And that's true for all, all of your relationships, but it's, it's very true with your relationship with God. Just as, as a um, uh, in my reading uh, during the week, I uh, looked at some passages in Hosea. And uh, in Hosea chapter 5, it's talking about Israel's relationship with God. And it says, Israel has defiled, this is verse 3 and 4, Israel has defiled itself. Their deeds will not allow them to return to their God, for a spirit of infidelity is within them, and they do not know the Lord. So if we hold on to our sin, there's a, a spirit of, you know, the infidelity that the writer's talking about here is not sexual sin, it's, it's a relational sin. It's... Um, they're, they're worshipping idols instead of God. And it, our sin clouds our minds. We're not able to relate well. Uh, and it's difficult to return to God. I, you, know, you, can't, you can't have a foot in both camps. You, you, um, you won't be good with God while you're harbouring your sin. You have to give up your sin to be good with God in much the same way that my relationship with my wife works. I have to be good with her to have a good relationship. I can't be two-faced or, um, uh, and, and, uh, and see, and, and, uh, have a good spirit in my relating with her. So um, I've just bounced myself off the, um, just bear with me for a second, I'm sorry, I've uh, lost my uh, passage and my computer's not connected to the internet here. Um, So verse 6, therefore let everyone who is godly pray uh, to you in a time when you may be found. Certainly then the flood of great waters will not reach him. You are my hiding place, you keep me from trouble, you surround me with songs of deliverance. I, um, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will advise you with my eye upon you. That's, uh, that's God. And in verse 9, do not be like the horse or mule who has no understanding, whose trappings include a bit and bridle to hold them in check. And that, that there's two meanings there. Um, God doesn't mean for us to be robots who have no choice but to follow him. Uh, he wants us to love him. And a horse can follow you because you, you've got the crop and you pull on the, the bridle and direct it where you want it to go. God's not asking us to be like that. Uh, he's asking to have a relationship of grace 
uh, a relationship of love, where we understand his grace and love and we live with the same character uh, in grace and love back. Uh, he could well have made us robots if he wanted to, and then 100% of the population would all be robotically worshipping God, but not by choice and not in grace. Uh, but then it has an individual application as well. Um, God doesn't want you to not sin because you have no choice. He wants you to choose not to sin because you understand how rich and how wonderful uh, an honest, open relationship with God is where you can look him in the eye and say, you know, you know I, I want to be here. I want to be relating to you. Um, The sorrows of the wicked are many, but the one who trusts in the Lord, goodness will surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Now, all of us know that as Christians, we suffer. Um, uh, sometimes we suffer because of our own fault, and sometimes we suffer when it's not our fault. But we also have a joy, uh, regardless of the sufferings. We have a joy that we're uh, without shame in a relationship with God. And, uh, and this psalm is talking about the richness of that relationship, of being in that state, of having a focus on God uh, and letting go of your sin consciously. And uh, don't get me wrong, this is not a works gospel um, you know, we will always fail from time to time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where your focus is and what your intent is. Um, relationally, God wants us to be graciously relating with him, recognising the beauty and joy of a relationship with our creator. Uh, his interest in us extends beyond the cross and redemption, you know, we're saved by Christ's death on the cross. But God wants a relationship after that, a relationship where we look him in the eye and worship him. And sure, we'll fail from time to time, but if your, your um, understanding and, and focus is to, to follow God and to be God's people, then you'll... Um, then you've caught the spirit of where God wants his people to be. Now, um, one demonstration of that that might help, um, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 says that this is love, not that we love God, but that God sent his son to die for our sins. But Christ's love for us isn't just on the grand stage for that big ticket event. Christ's love for us covers the little things as well. So for instance, when Christ talks to the woman at the well, he's loving her. If you don't, don't see how that is so, compare it to the priest in the parable of the Good Samaritan who crosses to the other side of the road and pretends he can't see the injured man. Christ is talking to this woman who comes to the well during the middle of the day 
to avoid all the people who snub her and won't talk to her in rush hour in the morning. So he talks to a woman that no one else will talk to. He addresses her sin, and that's part of loving her, but he doesn't address her in a way that crushes her and leaves her devastated. She goes away and says, come see a man who's told me everything that I've ever done. You know, she's amazed and she's blessed by that conversation. But that's just Christ in his little day-to-day -day things, talking to someone that no one else will talk to. Christ's love is, is not just like a prima donna who appears on the stage at a rock concert then goes behind and needs all this pampering and treats and luxuries or something. Christ's character is humble and loving through and through in the little things, and that's how he wants us to be. Not just apparently good here on Sunday or at the Bible study midweek or whatever, but in all things, through and through, he wants us to give ourselves to relating to him and honouring him. And in that, we'll know a richness and an integrity in our relationship with God that you won't know if you live in a two-faced way where you've got your little pet um, selfishness or laziness or whatever it is that, that you, you hold on to. So let's move on to um, Psalm 31. Psalm 31, um, there's several Psalms that have this pattern that Psalm 31 has. But Psalm 31 is unique in that the pattern is repeated. So from verse 1 to 8 of Psalm 31, there's a, a sort of a complaint and praise. And then from verse 9 to 22, it repeats in principle, though in slightly different words. So it's, um, we'll only look at verse 1 to 8 because verse 9 to 22 is, is on the same. But this is also a, a real landmark psalm. Um, so this psalm is written by David when he's been on the run from Saul, they think for about six years. Um, so David uh, is suffering. Um, his life's under threat and has been for quite some years. Um, now, this is the David who, when he was a shepherd boy, Samuel chips oil on his head and anoints him as the future king after Saul. And it says there in Samuel that uh, God's Spirit came upon him. Um, now I'm sure if, if God's Spirit hadn't come upon him, David's time, David's life would have been quite considerably different. And we're told by Christ that as his people, after he's gone to heaven, God's Spirit will come and guide us. But for us to be able to hear God's Spirit talking to us, we've actually got to be listening. And I think that's what Psalm 32 is talking about. Are you listening to God? You won't hear God's spirit if you've got your, your attention elsewhere. And um, David still fails, as we know, from his story recorded in the Bible. Um, but time and time again, he serves God because God's spirit is upon him. And we as God's people are guided by his spirit and we can trust in God's word and God's spirit to guide us, but we do need to try and listen to what the spirit's saying. There was a um, a very godly um, church minister in Melbourne. I think I've quoted him before. Um, he reflected that when he was a young priest, a young parish priest, um, 
when he was right with God, when he was good in his relationship with God, he would hear God's, he would, he would feel the urge to ring that person from church or go and visit Mrs. So-and-so and it would be just the right timing. So in terms, it fitted very well. And he felt afterwards on many occasions that that was God's spirit directing him and taking him to where his congregation needed him. But when he was, you know, angry, um, self-righteous about some something that had been done to him that shouldn't have been done to him, he he missed it, and there'd be some crisis, and and he wouldn't have felt the urge to ring Mrs. So and So or visit that family or whatever. There's there's there is um, there is a, a loss from not being not listening in, in much the same way that if I pay attention to my wife or my children, I'm much more likely to notice what her needs are or what their needs are. And likewise, if you're paying attention to God, if you're spending time in prayer and reading his word, um, being encouraged at meetings like this, then you're much more likely to hear him speaking to you. Anyway, back to Psalm 31. Um, David's been on the run for six years and he says, in you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me. Incline your ear to me, rescue me quickly. Be a rock of strength to me, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For the sake of your name, you will lead me and guide me. You see the difference to Psalm 32? Psalm 32 is acknowledging failure and saying how good it was to let go of sin and come back to God. Here, David's suffering, but he knows that God is good and he knows that God is protecting him. So this passage here is where Martin Luther got his inspiration for the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Because, uh, be a rock of strength for me, a stronghold to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. So Luther was influenced by this to write that hymn. And then if we read on, you will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I entrust my spirit. Does anyone recognise those words? So that's Christ's last words on the cross. He was quoting verse 5 of Psalm 31. It was also Martin Luther's last words and several other, um, several Christian martyrs who knew they were going to be killed and said this just before they died. They're trusting God. And so this is a, a bit of a landmark cry out of, you know, um, God, um, God is our rescuer and he is our rock. And they're talking spiritually, not just in terms of physical life. Because there is a life that goes beyond your, your, uh, your physical life here. And then we'll just finish with, uh, Into your hand I entrust my spirit. You have redeemed me, Lord, God of truth. There's the integrity in the relationship. I hate those who devote themselves to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your faithfulness because you've seen my misery. You've known the troubles of my soul and you have not handed me over to the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. So this is all written by a guy who's having to shift around because the king is trying to kill him. And... Um, um, even though his life is in peril and even though he doesn't have a relaxed 
comfortable life, he's able to, he's able to um, acknowledge God as his protector and acknowledge God as his saviour. And that's where we are. It's not always easy. Um, we need to have integrity in our relationship with God. Our love needs to be uh, trustworthy um, and not two-faced. And uh, yet, despite that, as God's people, we will suffer, uh, sometimes because of our own fault and sometimes not, as, as David did. But we can still cry out to God, who is our rock and our fortress. And that is how we, we will get by, as David did, um, because uh, God has brought us into relationship with him and though the world thinks it all matters on how this life goes and how well you seem to be doing in this life, we know that we have something deeper and more meaningful that affects this life as well as the next and that is uh, a relationship of integrity with the God, the God of all things. Uh, and there's nothing to be sneezed at and so I hope you feel encouraged to turn away from any, any pet sins or faults that you know that you, you have and embrace a relationship of integrity with God. Not because your salvation depends on it, but your salvation is secured by Christ's actions. But the richness of your relationship with God depends on you turning and listening to his spirit reading his word and being encouraged in his ways and his um, encouraged by his character, which he intends for us to have. Um, and then we will find um, an openness in our relationship with God, which is, is rich and rewarding uh, and a peace of mind. Um, I've, worked, I've worked in management with a number of people who take tablets to sleep every night.